Good Saturday morning. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still. We're with you till 1 o'clock. We've got a busy, busy show lined up for you. Uh, we will be talking plenty of Habs with uh, Jason Paul of Wave Intel. He breaks down the advanced numbers for us. So Jason will join us just after 11.35. Is the power play really as good as it looks? I think it looks okay. Uh, Jason has uh, a different opinion. Uh, we will be talking to Roberto Linares. He's the Director of Ticket Sales and Service for CF Montreal, and uh, we'll get into the return to play at Stad Saputo for CF Montreal, uh, and if that's possible and what the what the different plans look like. So I think that'll be an interesting conversation as well. That goes just after 12.05. Uh, we'll also be playing the middle name game, which I know John still loves, and we will be talking to former Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, former XFL receiver, and he's currently a member of the Montreal Alouettes. Eli Rogers will join us just after 12.35. I wonder what it's like to be in the huddle with Big Ben. Uh, we'll get into that and a lot more uh, with Eli Rogers uh, just after 12.30, as I mentioned. Uh, we do have a question of the day that we'll get to momentarily, but I do want to start with a little CFL-XFL talk. The football world was turned on its head this week. There's been a lot of talk and debate about whether or not the XFL and CFL partnership can work long term. Look, those of you who listen to TSN 690 regularly know that I'm a hardcore CFL fan. I always have been and I always will be. I love the game. I love the rules. I love the fact that Canadian players get an opportunity to shine. And I love how tight knit the CFL community is. I'll be honest, when I first read the press release about a potential partnership these, between these two leagues, I didn't feel great about it, but since the news came out on Wednesday afternoon, I've spent a lot of time listening to people around the league and thinking about the potential benefits. I think there are benefits. Is this a home run, can't miss idea? No. Are there certain parts of the CFL game that the owners and commissioner shouldn't even consider tinkering with? Absolutely. But I'm trying to be as level-headed and open-minded as I can about this, and I have a lot of things that I'm willing to compromise on. If the CFL thinks that The Rock's social media presence will fix everything, I think they have another thing coming. I believe the CFL has thought this out. Have they thought it out correctly? We'll see. But I've heard this, and it's been in the, it's been in the, the works for weeks, and even more than that. It's weeks and weeks and weeks. I, I spoke to somebody this week who uh, is in the know around the CFL, and basically, they told me that however long you think this has been in the works, it's longer than that. Uh, this is this has been on the CFL's desk for the better part of a year now. Um, so this is something that they've been looking at for quite some time. And I don't blame them. I, I don't blame them for thinking big because if I'm a business owner or I own a professional football team, I want a large slice of a large pie. I, I get all of that. These guys are all in it for the money. They are. And, and again, I understand that. All right. I don't have nearly as much money invested in the CFL that some of these owners do and, you know, some of the big sponsors and, you know, suppliers and all that stuff. So I, I get it. And like I said, when this came out on Wednesday, I, my initial reaction was to say, well, I'm not tinkering with three downs. I'm not tinkering with the size of the field. I'm not getting rid of the rouge. You know, like just it's the way I felt in the moment. And 
I think over the next few weeks and months, what you're going to see the league try to do it, they're going to try to convince you that that stigma that's kind of associated with the XFL, you know, the fact that they failed a couple times and that they haven't, you know, last year was because of the pandemic, but in 2001 or whenever it was, it just, it wasn't a sustainable business model. So for different reasons, it's failed a couple of times. And I think that's the next thing you're going to see the CFL try to tackle. It's to convince the hardcore fans that the XFL is not a complete failure. And I heard Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner on uh, TSN this week, he did a good, it was a good interview. I think Rod Smith asked some really good questions. I encourage you to check that out at tsn.ca. But he didn't want to get into what type of partnership it was and what type of partnership they were thinking about. He just kept saying that uh, those questions are way too premature. But the other thing, it's just, it's something I don't like hearing, even though it is fact and I, I'm a fan of The Rock. I like the journey. I, I like where he's ended up. He's one of the big-time actors in, in the world right now. But saying that The Rock's Instagram, um, if it would be a country, would be the fourth largest country in the world, yes, it helps with visibility and all that stuff. But if your plan is for The Rock to attack this on social media and that fixes everything, I just I don't see it. I really don't see it. So I'm hoping that the plan is well thought out. I know it's been thought out for a long time. I'm telling you, this has been this has been talked about inside the CFL head office walls for almost a year. You take that to the bank. I guarantee you that's how long they've been discussing this. But is it well thought out? I don't know. I, I remains to be seen. A lot of people seem to think that a, a merger is is likely and that's what they're talking about maybe those people are right and maybe that's even what they're planning right now but executing that plan i think is going to be way more difficult than a lot of people realize so there are certain aspects um of the game of the canadian game that i'm i've i've come off here like in the last few days i've thought about it and i've been willing to compromise on a couple of different things and there are certain things i'm just still not willing to compromise on so I think the first thing that I'm not willing to compromise on, or not fully at least, is the the Canadian ratio and that aspect of it. I just I don't see what the point is of continuing any type of CFL, even with a heavy XFL influence, if the Canadian players don't get to develop and shine. And I think right now having seven Canadian starters on your CFL squad is very reasonable. I don't think, you know, I don't think there's a ton of Canadian players that are being thrown out there in positions they're not comfortable with. I do think there's enough talent uh, for that to continue. But now can you do it? You know, can you do that? Can you force American teams to do that? I don't know. If I look at the way MLS is built and uh, with Major League Soccer, if you're a Canadian player that signs with an American team, you're considered a foreigner and you use one of the international roster spots that are available uh, to each team. But if you're a Canadian player signing with a Canadian team, then you count as a domestic player and they don't need, Canadian teams don't need to use an international roster spot to sign Canadian players. So if I'm looking at MLS, there are two sets of rules for Canadian players within a league. Now, that's a lot different than have you know forcing teams to start seven Canadian starters. So I, I don't know. Like, is that totally 
blown up and blown away? Like, are we, if this merger happens, do Canadian players continue? Are they, are you forced to start a certain number of Canadian players, even if you're an American squad? I don't know. I don't know, but it would be a shame to see uh, the development of young Canadian players go right down the tube. So that's not something I'm willing to compromise on right now. Um, the downs, <laughs> the downs is an interesting one because on Wednesday, I would have said, had you asked me if, if if I would be willing to compromise on downs, I would have said there's absolutely no chance. I've come off that stance a little bit. So hear me out. I realize that there are a lot of people out there. There's a lot of football fans that don't follow the CFL because of the three downs. I personally, I don't get it because th- these people act like the CFL is a punt fest. That because it's only, you know, it's two and out, that there's punts every you know, 50 million more punts in, in CFL games than there are in NFL games. And that's just not true. It's not. There are long drives in the CFL, and there are a lot of points on the board. So I, I don't get this, oh, I, I'm only going to watch if it goes to four downs. I, I don't get it. But I understand if if that's a hard and fast rule for you that you're used to watching the NFL or you're used to watching college football. It's just what you're used to. If you don't want to come off that point, I get it. But here's the risk, though. The risk is we change and we end up going to four downs. And all these people that say they're interested, if it goes to four downs, they start tuning in at the beginning and then eventually tune out. And I'm going to be honest with you. I watched a lot of AAF football in the first couple of weeks that it came out, watched a lot of XFL football the first couple of weeks of the season. It didn't really last long because of the pandemic, but I still watched. But even for me, who's a diehard NFL guy, diehard CFL fan, like at a certain point, I just tuned out and it had nothing to do with downs or anything like that. I just thought there wasn't enough talent at important positions to sustain a league like the XFL. And maybe the players just need some time to develop. But man, I don't know that there are enough good quarterbacks to play in the CFL and in the XFL and in the NFL. Like NFL is 32 teams times two to three quarterbacks per team, plus the practice squad if there's one on there. Most of the quarterbacks who have any type of potential are in the NFL. So do you have enough quarterbacks, left tackles, pass rushers to have enough talent in this league to keep people interested? So I don't doubt for a second, and I know there's a lot of people who tweeted me at Joey Alfieri who have said, if it goes to four downs, I'll watch it. Okay, you'll watch it. Are you going to stick with it, though? And that's a question that I don't think these people can answer right now. I just don't. Because right in this moment, yeah, they'll give it an opportunity. But if the left tackle play was as bad as it was when I was watching the XFL last year and the quarterback play was as rough as it was when I was watching last year, are are you really going to stick with it, whether it's three, four, or five downs? I don't know. I, I just I, – I'm – I'm still torn on the downs thing because I do believe that you can go out and get a lot of eyeballs if you make the switch to four downs. But are you going to keep those eyeballs? Are you going to keep people interested long term? Or does it just last a few weeks, maybe a season? Can you lock those people in? Uh, one of the other things I'm I'm interested in compromising on, size of the field. I'm willing to go to a uh, quote-unquote traditional American size if, if that's what it's going to take to make people happy. I'm, I'm willing to go there. I'm even willing to get rid of the Rouge. 
that's a big deal for a lot of CFL fans. I'm willing to I'm willing to compromise on that. If you don't want the point for you know a punt landing in the end zone or a missed field goal going through the end zone, I'm I'm totally fine with that. If you want to switch that, I personally I like it, but I realize that I've got to compromise in some places. So there are a lot of things that I'm I'm willing to compromise on. There's certain things I'm not willing to compromise on. Like I said, the Canadians, I'm not willing to compromise on the on the amount of Canadian players that should be playing in this Canadian Football League. I, I think that's an important aspect of the league that can't be forgotten. When it comes to downs, I'm iffy. I'm leaning more towards stick with the three downs at all costs than I am at the four downs, but I understand that there's people that are not going to give the league a chance, even if I don't agree with it. I understand that there's a lot of people that won't give it a chance if they don't go to four downs. Um, so there, there are a lot of there are a lot of fascinating points. Um, there's the but the two things I'm 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 gonna dig my heels in here is is the Canadian talent. And I'm, that's, I think that's the only thing that I would really, I'd kind of slam my fist on the table for. The downs, again, you'd have to convince me, but I think there's, I could be convinced. But when it comes to field size, the rouge, also the Grey Cup is special to me. It's been around for over 100 years. If you want to play for some other trophy, I honestly don't care. I know that's a major that's a major point for a lot of CFL fans and a lot of CFL people. Uh, we absolutely have to play for the Great Cup. If they play for the Great Cup, fine. If they don't play for the Great Cup, well, I mean, what do you want me to tell you? They can play for whatever the heck they want. Um, I did have an idea that kind of puts the CFL in bed with the XFL in a major way, but not all the way in bed. So if this doesn't work out for the XFL, then you can kind of remove yourself from that situation and you can go back to the way things were before. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still. We're with you till 1 o'clock. Uh, I do want to bring John Still in here. John, I, I know you follow the CFL uh, more than the average fan. I know you're not a diehard CFL guy all the way like I am, but I'm curious to get your thoughts. Is there anything I said that stood out to you as controversial or as something that you didn't necessarily agree with? Um, no one's as big a CFL fan as you, Joey. Um, <laughs> but I would be actually less inclined to compromise on the three downs. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't compromise whatsoever on the three downs. Just again, b because we've seen four down football fail over and over again. Do you want to be different? Do you, do you want to throw the ball more? Like that, that's the whole thing about the CFL. And I've had arguments about why I like the NFL more than the CFL. Uh, with you and a whole bunch of other folks who love the Canadian Football League. And the CFL rules are just better. And everyone knows that. The, the, talent of the, the talent of the league is not as good, but the rules are just better for keeping people constantly locked in. You don't have to go and run the ball on first down for, for two yards. I personally like that. A lot of people who want to see action right away don't necessarily want to see that. So I, I totally would stick by my guns on the three downs and I'll, I'd also stick to my guns on the gray cup. I mean, I, I don't, 
I don't really care what you call the the new trophy or whatever. And if it's the Grey Cup and it has its name changed to something else, that would suck. But still the same trophy. At least keep some kind of continuity because you do want to have that history. You do want to have something that people can go back to. And I think that would keep a lot of the folks, especially on the prairies who live and die with the CFL, I think that would keep them relatively interested. Um for the Rouge, I hate the Rouge. I, I'm totally <laughs> fine with that being a, not being a thing anymore. If anything, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't even make it a negotiation point. I'd just go up to Dwayne Johnson and be like, yeah, we're not going to do the, the one point for the punt into the end zone. But I think most of what you're saying is fair. As someone who I know, probably it, 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 it's um, you choke on it a little bit on the way down, let's just say that, with some of the changes that you're looking at because of your fandom for the Canadian Football League. But... Uh, yeah, those are the two things that I would stick to my guns on uh, in a big way because I just don't – I think it's been borne out time and time again that four-down football that is not college or National Football League has never worked yeah. in the States. Yeah, and that's that's the other point. I think the, what you want to avoid is becoming NFL junior. I, I feel really strongly about that because it's never worked before, and if – you're if you make some minor tweaks but you're really similar to the way the NFL works and operates like one of the other things that I would fight pretty hard to keep is the 20 second play clock you know in the NFL you get right. 40, you get double the time but things move a lot slower and late in games you can kill the clock obviously depending on the amount of timeouts that that teams have but you have an easier time killing the clock in the NFL because you have so much time uh, between plays, exactly. whereas in the CFL, very fast pace. You you got to keep it going. But those are some of the things, like the waggle, the motion. You know, when the receivers lining up to the running up to the line of scrimmage and being able to move before the ball is snapped. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to keep all of that. Like I, I think they want to promote offense, 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 offense. So to me, in my mind, those are some of the things they're going to keep. But keeping the waggle, it, it's not enough. It's not enough for me. So I'm glad to hear that. You're you're you know you want to stick to your guns when it comes to the three downs, because that's how I felt on Wednesday. But I've just I've gotten so many messages from people that are telling me that they'd be interested in watching this experiment, but it has to go to four downs. So, so I'm that's why I'm torn in that sense because if you're telling me that we can grow this game exponentially and the numbers are going to become a lot bigger than they are right now. And we're going to captivate an audience, not just in the States, but more people in Canada as well. If we go from three to four downs, I'll listen to you. But the thing is, you better stick around after the shine wears off on the league. And unfortunately, there's no way for me to keep these people accountable to that. Because if you lose interest, you lose interest. Like, what do you want to do? But I just, that's why I think you got to be very careful and you need to make sure that the research is done here. And and it's done in a way that you're sure that people are going to stick with this if you make a radical change, like going from three downs to four downs. The other thing, the thing we haven't talked about, and I know, I mean, it's obvious, but they want, CFL owners want that TV money and they want that TV deal. And they have a great deal with TSN. Uh, I think, Pretty much the way it breaks down is every team in the league, uh, when it's all said and done, you know they have their salary cap paid for by that TV deal with TSN, which I think is a good deal. Uh, but we are on TSN radio, so what else am I going to say? But I genuinely believe that it is a good deal 
Now, at the same time, uh, you look at the connections that The Rock has. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the show at all, John, but there's a show on NBC right now, oh, which boy. is Young Rock. Yeah, have you, I haven't seen. I haven't seen an episode. I'm of that. never gonna watch an episode. But again, like The Rock, it, it's too much. It's too much. You, you, it's, you're it's you're a, a part much. of my daily life three to four times a day. I can't handle it anymore. Like, uh, just <laughs> focus on being the next CFL commish or whatever it is, and I just I can't handle it. But I know that's not the point that you're you're going with, but, right? So carry so, that, on. so there is there is a connection between The Rock and NBC already because of this show Young Rock. It looks at The Rock when he was a kid, and it, it's they've made it a sitcom basically, right? So you know that there's a connection there. Uh, NBC just launched their own streaming service in the States. It's not available uh, in Canada, but Peacock is the new streaming service that NBC is running. So in my mind, and, and I know that the XFL, you know, before they, they shut down in, in 2019, uh, they were on Fox and they were on ESPN slash ABC as well on Saturday afternoons. And I think there were some Sunday games too. Uh, but then you have that NBC connection between The Rock and the network, they just launched Peacock, like I said, so there is a chance to get your product on a streaming service that, you know, a streaming service that just landed, uh, you know, the hit show, The Office, uh, not too long ago. So The Office is no longer on Netflix in the States, and it's made its way on to Peacock. So you know that NBC is taking the streaming service seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that... Um, this is the way of the future. Uh, I mean, I'm subscribed. You know, I've got Crave. I've got Netflix. We have Amazon Prime here. Uh, we have The Zone. So, and I know you're subscribed to a lot of those too. And I'd imagine that most of you, our listeners, are as well. So, there's no denying that that's the way of the future. So, I get it. Like, I understand the TV money, the live streaming aspect of it. Like, it would tempt me too if I was a CFL owner. It really would. Like, there's no doubt about it. But I still, I wonder. If this league, if there's an appetite for football enough during the non-NFL and college football months in the States to sustain this long term. And so my idea, John, I'm a soccer guy and you're a soccer guy, and I don't think that this will ever happen. But this is just the idea uh, that I came up with. Just I'm trying to map things out. I'm trying to think differently. And you let me know what you think. OK, so the CFL has an 18 game schedule for, I mean, the last time they played in 2019. And since I've been following, it's been 18 games. What if you go to a 14-game schedule, you play play out your regular season, you you play out for a spot in the standings and all that stuff, but then you leave yourself four games that you play a, a Champions League-style tournament within the season, and you play those games against XFL teams and you compete for a separate trophy. So the Grey Cup is still going to be, you know, it's still going to be a thing in Canada and only Canadian teams can win it. And the XFL trophy, whatever they want to call it, um, they, they'll compete for their trophy. But there is some overlap in season. So you'll, you'd get a bye week from your regular season play but you would play an XFL team in a separate tournament to win a championship, a different kind of championship. So there's two titles up for grabs for both leagues every year. I mean, you're not going to convince me I like it. I mean, I'm obviously going to like it for the reason that you said. It's just you have to have a, you have to have a specific set of rules then for both leagues. Like you can't, the CFL can't stick with three downs and then the XFL is four downs and then what, whoever has the higher seed 
or whoever is the favorite or whoever has the better record no, gets no, to play to with such and such. Beforehand. Well, that's what I mean is that at that point, if you've already agreed on it, like if you've already agreed that there's the same amount of downs and the same rules for each league, then at that point, why not just sync the two leagues together and have them travel and work that much? I mean, I don't know. There's enough talent, John. Like I, I've wa- I watched XFL football. I did. I, mm-hmm. I, I give you my word. I sat there on Saturday afternoons. I was intrigued by. I it believe you. There, there you're the, you're of- the only one at this entire radio station that I actually <laughs> believe did that. There was a lot. There was a lot of CFL crossover. Mark Tressman and a lot of his staff in Tampa Bay had CFL connections. Um, we're going to talk to Eli Rogers, who's now with the Alouettes. He's a former Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, was there for quite a while, uh, for the better part of four years. He played with the D.C. Defenders last year. Their quarterback coach was Ted White. Ted White was a backup quarterback to Anthony Calvillo for a few years here. They're, 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 they're CFL. So I was intrigued by it. But there was a lot of dinking and dunking down the field because the offensive line, there wasn't enough quality talent up front. So the quarterback wasn't protected as well because tackles are really, really hard to find. And the quarterback play was mediocre at best. Like there was one, I think uh, PJ Walker played for Houston. He played for June Jones, who's the former CFL player and coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And P.J. Walker had a great season, so much so that he ended up signing with the Carolina Panthers, and he was the backup to Teddy Bridgewater, and he played a little bit. He got a few snaps in this year in the NFL. But there, there wasn't enough talent. There just wasn't. So that's, that's why I'm hesitant to merge the two, because I don't know that there's enough talent. The XFL had eight teams. Uh, they had, they were, I think they were thinking of adding some more. Uh, we know the CFL has nine teams with aspirations to go to the Maritimes as well. Is there enough talent outside the NFL, especially if you're eliminating Canadian players now? Is there enough well, talent to make this league go around and for it to be entertaining, no matter the downs and size of the field and all that stuff? Well, here's my thing, and I, I've thought about this because it's fair. In te- in, instead of there being seven, I believe the rule now is seven starters. Yes. Is that it? Canadian yeah, and footballing? Half, and, half the ros- and half the roster needs to be Canadian as well. So you do get a lot of guys on special teams that are Canadian. Okay, so at that point... I don't think it. You're, there's no way you're going to be able to keep it half um, for obvious reasons because it's going to be in the states. But instead of it being starters um, who have to be Canadian who are playing on the team, a third of the roster has to come from Canadian universities and Canadians. Like that, because I understand. For me, the first people that I thought of when I heard of this deal was the CIS. Or, or U Sports, sorry. Yeah. Um, and the fact that uh, a large portion of those players, that's their dream, is to get to the Canadian Football League. So that was my first thought in that, well, you don't want to eliminate the dreams of all those guys who are playing in all these leagues, uh, especially here in Quebec where, where U Sports football is absolutely massive. So I, I think you have to be creative in that sense where there has to be a restriction, not necessarily on starters, because, again, you, you're going to want guys who played for the big-time teams, uh, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, who can't play when they get uh, to the National Football League but want to still keep playing football. But I think if you could if you could negotiate it that a third of the teams have to be um, – U sports Canadian players. I think it it's possible that you would have enough quality players throughout the lineup. And again, there's so much college football that I don't think in the end 
um, if you made it more accessible to be playing both in the States and Canada, I think that enough guys would be willing uh, to fill out rosters uh, on these on both of the teams. Yeah, there, there's a lot still up in the air, and I'm willing to, to let it play out. But uh, I hear what you're saying, and it's, it's better than going from a bunch of Canadians to no Canadians at all. So I'm, I'd be open to thinking about what you're proposing. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John Still, uh, we're with you till 1 o'clock. I do want to transition, do want to talk some hockey. The Canadians' power play has looked a lot better since Dominic Ducharme and Alex Burroughs took over behind the bench. But the numbers seem to show that it's still not where it needs to be. Our go-to analytics guru, Jason Paul, will tell us why he's still worried about the Habs on special teams. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Welcome back. It's Saturday Sports, TSN 690. Joey Alfieri and John Still with you till 1 o'clock. The Canadians will be hitting the ice for their morning skate in Calgary, I believe, right as we get off the air at 1 o'clock. So we'll see if there are any lineup changes that will be made. I don't think there will be, but maybe they'll tweak the lines. Who knows? Uh, And I do want to get in our Saturday Sports poll question of the day, which we haven't introduced yet. It's a uh, it's a poll question. You can find it on Twitter at Joey Alfieri and at TSN 690. Do you think Mark Bergevin will make a move before the deadline? You've got three choices. Yes, he'll make a major trade. Yes, he'll make a minor trade, a minor trade or no, he's not going to move at all. And uh, leading the way right now, we're uh, over 300 votes in here is uh, yes, he'll make a minor tweak is at 47.1%. Yes, he'll make a major trade is second at 28.9%, and no trade at all is at 24%. I'm surprised a lot of people feel that there's no trade at all, but I guess uh, the Canadians don't have much uh, salary cap wiggle room, so they're going to have to make things work with the with the numbers and the books there to make it happen, but I think they can find that. I'm sure they can uh, look between the... Uh, couch cushions uh, somewhere in the Bell Center and Brossard and find some money to spend on a trade to improve this roster. Uh, all right, to talk about that and so much more with the Montreal Canadiens, I want to bring in a good friend of the show, Jason Paul from Wave Intel. Jay, what's going on? I'm here. It's good, man. I'm in sunny Mont-Chamblant, ready to go skiing. Oh, nice. So you're yeah. you're on the slopes? I'm in the car. <laughs> okay. Wait, Can wait you to get ready and then I'll go. Okay. Can you put in your AirPods? Maybe next time we can do this. AirPods, and let's do a hit while you're skiing, like while you're oh, on the slopes. Awesome. Yeah, would that be great? It. And if yeah, you wanted then I to, have if, a computer though, that's all right. We, we won't. We don't have to get into the numbers specifically. We you know can what? Just talk hockey. You know what that answer tells me, Joey? Is that, that he's willing? Not not that he's willing. Is that he's a good enough skier and snowboarder to ensure that he would not fall while doing well, this activity. I was just I was just gonna say, uh, Jason, if you could crash into a tree while doing the hit, I think our ratings would really appreciate that. Gotta make sure I have a GoPro on so we you know we catch it. In the, uh, <laughs> internet sensation. Is it uh, skiing or snowboarding for you, Jason? Skiing. I'm a little bit too old for the snowboard stuff. Plus, I got a bunch of kids. Uh, <laughs> Not only that, the so. snowboarding it's it's very painful. You're using you're using uh, muscles you don't usually use. Also, I'm very <laughs> also I'm very bad at snowboarding, so the pain might be for me just wiping out constantly. I like that. No, I'm old and I've got a bunch of kids. Okay, uh, what, what 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 is what constitutes a bunch of kids? Like, oh, what's man, a bunch? I got, uh, four, four, oh. eight and under. That is a bunch. That is a bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bunch. Uh, okay, Jay. Let's go with. Let's start with the poll question then. Uh, where do you land? Do you think yes, major trade, yes, minor tweak, or no trade at all for the Canadians before the deadline in April? Yeah, I think I'm in the the minor 
category. I know people want, uh, you know, a big defenseman to come in or something like that, but I just don't think those guys grow on trees. And obviously it's a bit easier to make the smaller moves. And I think they can, I've, I've had my finger on the 4C position all year thinking that um, they're going to have to do something there. I think not, not, not a knock against Evans, but uh, and I also think it was uh, telling that he didn't dress the first game under uh, Ducharme. So they need help on the face off. They need help locking down the plays a bit. So a good, strong fourth center would be great. So do you, th- uh, listen, we, I don't mean, I know you're, you're big into the numbers and I don't mean to put you on the spot with different names, but if we're going here, there's two guys I want to ask you about. Okay. Uh, Matthias Ackholm on defense. I think it would be a nice compliment to Shea Weber on that top pairing. Uh, I thought that even when Ben Chirot was healthy and the other guy I'm curious about, and it's a name that came up on Habs lunch yesterday. Do you think Eric Stahl is worth pursuing. I know he has a modified no-trade clause. He can block a, a trade to 10 teams. But if he was willing to come to Montreal, is that something you'd be willing to pursue for added depth down the middle? Oh, I think so. I think if you're looking for the biggest impact, I think you've got to go with Stahl over Ekholm. I mean, I, I know Ekholm has a fantastic reputation. He's a he's a very, very good defenseman. But, um, you know, he's, he's going to be an upgrade there, but he's going to be nice to have. But he's not he's not a you know, super dynamic puck moving defenseman here, right? So you, I, I'm not sure that the Hab fans are thinking he can come in and be that super dynamic. Whereas Stahl can come in, he gives you that, you know, big, massive center who can win draws, uh, PK, and do all the right things. So, you know, and because you have so much young centers down the middle there, that, that would be a bigger impact, in my opinion. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri and John still in conversation with Jason Paul. He's our analytics guru from Wave Intel. So specifically with Ekholm, um, look, he's been around a half a point per game player uh, over the last couple of years. He logs big minutes in Nashville. Uh, I know you mentioned that he wouldn't be as big an upgrade as Stahl, but specifically with Ekholm, what do the advanced stats say? Like what are his strengths and what are his weaknesses? Yeah, I mean, he's very strong defensively. Um, he's a big guy. His The analytics uh, wash out a little bit negative in the past two or three years, but at the same time, he's had not great partners. Uh, Fabro has been his partner this year a lot and last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, and he doesn't necessarily face, when I looked at the data, he doesn't face the really, really tough competition. That's obviously going to the top pair. So I'm a little bit weary of, you know, a guy who's who's kind of like the second tier in Nashville on a team that's doing well and is expected to come to Montreal and, and clean it up, you know, a little bit with the puck moving part of it. His transition stats are good, but again, they're not fantastic. Um, his PK, PK in Nashville has not been good, and he's been part of that. Yeah. And the power play, like he doesn't really have anything on the power play. So, is it an upgrade on Sherrod? I definitely think so. Or the fact that he's 30 and he's got another year on his contract and, uh, you know, and the cap hit is very small. I think if you can get him for sure, but I, I just go back to the impact piece again. I'm not sure that's exactly what they need. Okay. So I'm, I'm glad you, you brought up Nashville's power play and PK. Cause that's exactly where I wanted to transition to. Uh, but I want to talk about Montreal's obviously. So, since Dom Ducharme and Alex Burroughs have taken over, the Kotkaniemi Petrie unit has looked out of this world. Like they're the ones, even if they don't score, 
uh, Jason, it seems like they're building momentum for for their team coming out of power plays that they don't score on. Uh, the other unit, I know they got the one-timer from Weber uh, the, the other night, but that unit has struggled. They had an opportunity late in the game on Thursday to, to tie it up, and they just they didn't. Um, but what have you made of the power play as a whole? Because I thought it's looked a lot better, but I think your numbers might say otherwise. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like when you watch it, I really like some of the changes that they made. They seem to be entering the zone a lot easier. They're doing that nice little give and go in the in the neutral zone there, Druin and uh, Suzuki. That's been fantastic. And when they gain the zone, you can tell that they're swarming a bit to make sure that they get possession. Uh, so that's been great. But and oh, oh, the hills of Montremblant got him. <laughs> Dead zone, baby. Dead zone. Dead zone. Trouble got him. Yeah, look at that. Uh, we'll uh, try to reconnect with uh, Jason Paul. Look at you. Can't talk about the Habs power play in Trouble. So I, I hope everything's okay. I, what, did he say he was driving, or did he say he was was he just in the car? I think he was just in the car. I don't know that he was driving. Um, but look, I, I do think the power play has looked better, and it's just it's a question of getting both units. Uh, firing on all cylinders, and maybe that's not realistic. Maybe that's just not something that the Canadians or any team can do because uh, over the course of a full season, I mean, you're going to have ups and downs, and you're seeing it even at five-on-five, five, right? You're seeing the, the you know, at the beginning of the season, everybody was going, and then things start to slow down, and now Kakanyemi's going, but Suzuki's not. And so maybe it's a bit much asking uh, the units to, to both be firing on all cylinders at the same time. But I do think it's encouraging. So I'm curious to see what, what Jason has. Jay, you okay, Jay? But Trump Long got the better of you? Did you did you hit yeah, a tree? Hit a well, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> so you were just you were talking about the power play and, and how different it's looked. But uh, just get into the numbers for us. Like what have you noticed uh, numerically here with the with the way the power play's been operating? Yeah, so they're they're scoring at a ten point seven goals per sixty rate, which puts them with uh, Ducharme, so that day games, uh, that puts him seventh in the league at that time, right? And to yeah. just give you an idea, it was running at a 6.3 rate with Julian, so almost double, right, scoring rate, which is fantastic. So, Sorry, what did you say? You said the scoring rate was what under Ducharme, 10? 10, just over 10, and it was okay. just over 6 for Julian, so almost okay. du- double scoring rate, right? So, which is mm-hmm. great. And that's what the fans are seeing, and we, and we love this. But if I dig deeper into some of the stats... Uh, so the high danger chances that they're getting, uh, they're getting about 16 uh, per per 60, which right. puts them at 19th in the league. Okay. Okay. And their XG, you know, the, the expected goals on the power play, they rank 24th in the league. So for those metrics, that's that's not really good. And then if you go down to the, the shooting percentage, their shooting percentage is 22.2%, which is 7th in the league. So there could be, I think there's a little bit of hot air in there, right? So Interesting. again, to give you some perspective, the Oilers get 31 high danger chances per 60. So that's almost double of what the Habs are getting. And it's very right. similar to the Leafs. So the top teams are getting a ton of chances and they're scoring a lot. And the Habs are still a little bit lacking in that. So okay, so what you're saying is right now they are getting a, a good amount of goals because their power play percentage is in the top ten under Ducharme, but the chances they're generating and the expected goals they're generating would indicate that those numbers could dry up or they could come down in the near future. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, and that's what I'm saying. But 
I mean, it's only eight games, right? So right. it is encouraging, but I mean, they gotta they gotta look at those numbers and they gotta try to get those those numbers up a bit. All right, on the PK, what have you noticed there? Well, I did. Uh, I tweeted something when uh, when Julian got fired to you know to show the baseline of where they're at and what, what problems they had, and and I think you guys saw that a five, as a five on five team, they were still first in the league when they fired Julian. So the real problems were on the special teams, and I think the worst one was the PK. Um, now, when Julian got fired, um, they're operating. At, they were allowing about nine goals per sixty, which is twenty fourth in the league on the PK. Now they're way up to just less than six, which puts them six goals, which puts them 12th in the league. Again, very good, right? But if you drill down to some of the hardcore numbers, they're allowing high danger chances 25 per 60, which puts them 27th in the league. X goal against puts them 25th in the league. So those metrics put them in the very bottom of the league still. What's good is their save percentage. So that's how analytically we look to see if there's any hot air in, in the stats and we'll look at those underlying numbers. So the underlying numbers are still not good. They're basically exactly where they were at under Julian. It's Saturday sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri and John still with you till one o'clock. We're in conversation with Jason Paul of wave Intel. He's our analytics guru on the program. John, you got one for him? Yeah, Jason, I wanted to ask about, uh, well, there hasn't been necessarily changes on defense until last game, and the less said about last game against the Flames, uh, the better, but uh, the, you you have a second pairing or a first pairing, however you want to look at it, with one guy who's having a Norris Trophy caliber season and one guy who's leading the league in plus and minus in Joel Edmondson. Uh, what do you make of the changes under Ducharme to not only the Petrie-Edmondson pairing, but the Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt pairing. Yeah, I think uh, there's probably a couple of things colliding here. I think you know Petrie and Edmondson are kind of hitting their stride, right? I, I was actually very surprised at how well they were doing statistically at the beginning of the season, especially Joel Edmondson. Now he just seems to be Joel Edmondson uh, specifically seems to be simplifying his game, and the stats are quite unbelievable, right? Um, the analytics community on Twitter, you'll see them tweet stuff out that, again, there's a bit of hot air in some of his numbers, uh, Joel Edmondson. But the hot air comes in the fact that the save percentage is very high when he's on the ice, and the on-ice shooting percentage is pretty high when he's on the ice as well. So we might expect some of those numbers to come down. He's not going to keep going rocket uh, Larry Robinson style up to 72, <laughs> plus 72, right? But uh, But his underlying numbers, his expected goals against, or his expected goals for percentage when he's on the ice is 58% under Ducharme. Fantastic. High, high danger chances for 22, 11 against in the eight games with Ducharme. It's just, it's just quite unbelievable. They've been on for six goals for and only two against. This is all five on five, obviously. So, and then the other pairing, it's like uh, they've kind of fallen apart, right? Um, it's it's a bit shocking. They're, all their metrics are under 50%, their, their share metrics, uh, Weber and Sherrod. Yeah, so that's that's kind of why, and, and I think you, you see that, right? Like even if you if I didn't hear the numbers that you just mentioned, I I'd still I could tell that they've been struggling, right? And um, that's why I thought even if Sherrod was healthy, just going back to where we started, I thought that they would go get another defenseman 
to kind of pair with Weber. And, and in my mind, look, I'll be honest with you. I take down notes every game. The the Edmondson Petrie pairing. I, I like to write down the lines and the pairings before every game. Uh, Jay, and that in my mind, that's been the number one pairing for quite a while now. So I'm glad the numbers bear that out. But I think that's obvious. But there's just there needs to be a tweak and i don't as much as i love the upside on romanov i just i don't know that he's ready for playing the hard minutes with weber just yet and it's not like he looked great on on thursday night in calgary it's not like he looked terrible but i just i don't know that he's going to be able to do that night in and night out and i don't know that they have anybody else on the roster that can do that on a consistent basis so that's why i'm thinking you know a guy like matthias Ekholm, even though you don't think it's as big an upgrade um, as a lot of other people do, I feel like that's something that they should tackle. You know what I mean? And, and that's where I think a lot of Canadians fans are at right now. I, I like Ben Chirot. Don't get me wrong. I just I don't know that he's that guy who should be playing next to Shea Weber. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, you know, I think the big ram pack could be stalled, but and it really depends on how long Chirot's going to be out, right? Um, but that. I also wonder if the system that Ducharme's got in there is is affecting the play as well. Like, there just don't seem that pair that just doesn't seem to have that good first pass happening right now. So I don't know if they're being asked to be a little bit more creative. Uh, and you know that Weber pass that went up the middle last game. It's you know if that was a rookie, <laughs> yeah, he'd probably be stapled to the bench. Definitely Romanov. I think it's too way too soon for him. And I think it was also telling that they put Romanov in that slot. In my yeah. opinion, if I was an advisor before that game, I would say if you want to win the game, you put Mete there. Right? Really? He's already played with Weber. But if you want to test Romanov, then you do that. But you also potentially lose the game, which they did. Not because of Romanov, but I think it's telling that they wanted to audition him there because they obviously don't think Mete is the guy there either. But maybe they don't think Romanov is either. So maybe that does hint to him looking at Ekholm. All right, Jay, thanks for doing this, man. We really appreciate you joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again real soon. And uh, enjoy the slopes, all right? Don't get into any trouble up there. Uh, just uh, stick to the script. You're, you're, you're an old man yeah. now. You Don't don't be wear trying things. Listen, yeah, there's, no, there's no apres ski, Joey. He'll be fine. He'll be there's fine. No apres ski, apres ski is shut off. Yeah, one of our uh, one of our loyal listeners, uh, Dan, says, uh, "Hey guys, I'm 57. I have three boys. We all snowboard. snowboard. Weak excuse for your guest. So you're getting called out on the show. <laughs> I think you're officially part of the show's family now that you're getting called out on the text message board, just like the rest of us do. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, boys. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the game tonight. That's uh, Jason Paul from Wave Intel. He's our analytics guru on the program, and you heard it there. I, I love the term hot air. So the power play's got a lot of hot air." The penalty kill has a lot of hot air. Joel Edmondson, John, no hot air. That he's apparently his season is legit, and I've liked the way he's played. And listen, for somebody in the analytics community to come out like Jason and say and admit that Joel Edmondson's having a good season is big because coming into the year, and Jason's not the one who said this, but it was tweeted when the Canadians got him that he was one of the worst defensemen in the NHL from a number standpoint last year. So it's encouraging to see Joel Edmondson have such a good year. That's been a terrific pairing. I know you want to get the other pairings going. I would not break that one up. No, no, not at all. And I'm not going to lie, um, in my uh, in my post-game reports and write-ups, I mean, he's been easily the most difficult person to kind of write about because yeah. he, he just, and it, it's going to sound like I'm insulting him, but he just doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? He doesn't do anything really Flamboy, bad. Yeah. 
but he doesn't do anything obscenely well. He's just always in position. He's always there to make a quick pass. His pa- the one thing I'll say that has dramatically improved since Ducharme has been there has been his passing. He seems like he knows exactly where to go with the puck, his outlets. He knows where the puck needs to be. But yeah, uh, I did not see Joel Edmondson uh, working out as well as, I, as he has. And if anything, you can put him as this year's Ben Chirot, where a lot of uh, a lot of expectations were quite low for him, and he seems to be uh, surpassing them in a big way. We'll see what happens next year when his uh, plus twenty six is going to be the expectation, and uh, he 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 won't live up to it. Uh, well, listen, you're already going ahead to next year. You're, I'm, I'm looking at this year, and that brings me to our uh, poll question of the day here, John, which we haven't you haven't weighed in on. Uh, do you think Mark Bergevin will make a move before the trade deadline? Your options are at Joey Alfieri and at TSN 690 are yes, he'll make a major trade. Yes, he'll make a minor tweak, or no, he's not going to make a trade at all. Leading the way right now, minor tweak at 48.8%. Yes to a major trade is at 28.4%, and no trade at all is 22.9%. Uh, I'm going to go with yes, major trade uh, for the simple reason that, I mean, we heard Stefan Waite on the uh, on TSN 690 a couple weeks ago, and, you know, he explained how he got fired uh, in the middle of a game and how Mark Bergevin told him that if Carey Price doesn't get going, then Bergevin was going to be the next one out the door. I think he's desperate. I think he makes a move. I think Matthias Ekholm, that falls into the major trade category. I don't know if they'll get him. But I think they get him or they get somebody like him. They get somebody who can help out on defense quite a bit. How do you feel? Uh, what has history shown me with Mark Bergevin is uh, is uh, I'm more inclined to see uh, Dwight King show up than uh, than, oh, than no, anybody else. So <laughs> like it's just at the trade deadline as well with all the lack of cap space. The good thing is is that if they were to acquire someone with some term with Yoel yeah. Armia and Thomas Tatar potentially coming off the books next year, uh, they will have some cap space. But uh, yeah, I, I tend to think that it'll be more. Uh, moving chairs around not necessarily on the titanic because the canadians are doing okay right now but uh, i don't see any kind of massive splash that i'm sure fans are always calling out for all right we'll have more uh, habs talk a little bit later on in the show but i do want to talk a little uh, soccer does cf montreal have a plan in place to have fans at stad saputo this year what does that plan look like their director of ticket sales and service roberto linares will explain that to us next this is saturday sports on tsn 690 